2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. While you're doing that, I'd like to read a passage of scripture. I plan this morning on speaking to Christians, to those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Um, some may question that what exactly does that mean? And I would say if you're questioning that, then um, you're probably not a Christian at all. Let me read a passage of scripture to you and then we'll go to the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. He says, in whom, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. In order to be the Christian, you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that he was, but that rather he came and died in your place for your sin. And that you cannot come to the Father but by him. You must believe that he died on Calvary's cross for your sin. The sin of the whole world, but it must be applicable to you when you believe that. You are now sealed with the Spirit of God. You will then have spiritual understanding because the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us that spiritual understanding. So I want to speak to those who have spiritual understanding because I think this is very, very important. First of all, let me say this. Uh, I pastored a church in Massachusetts for a few years, for several years actually, and it was a large church with a school, and, and uh, I had two different secretaries, and one of the secretary's jobs was to ask me, what was the title of your message? I hated that. <laughs> After a while, when I got to know her, I said, you heard it, just think of something, you know. I, uh, <laughs> but if I had the title, today's thoughts for you, today's word for you, if I had the title, give you a title, I would say this. Think about what you are thinking about. Now, I notice that that's going to murder the English language, but think about what you are thinking about. And so Paul is going through this at the with the church at Corinth. Think about what you are thinking about. Why? Because they were thinking totally contrary to the Word of God. That's the purpose of the whole book of 2 Corinthians. They, the Corinthian church, was a mess. And I am so bewildered by some groups who copy the, the book of Corinthians as part of their theology. They were really in trouble. And Paul wrote first and Second Corinthians to straighten out a giant mess in a place that was called the church. And so as he writes in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, they are questioning Paul. And what they're questioning him about is they think that Paul was only fleshly in his actions, in his attitude, his thinking. He, he, he sought personal influence, and in reality, that's what they were doing. They were looking for accolades of great wisdom. Uh, they want impressive credentials all kinds of, of worldly things. And Paul lets them know, no, that, that's not what I'm about. 
Paul wanted them to see Christ in him, the hope of glory. He said, if I should please men, in Galatians, he said, if I should please men, I am not pleasing to God. Do you realize that? That's something for us to think about. If you please everyone around you, there's something wrong with you. Because if you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, people are going to see that and not be so happy with that. The minute you represent Christ, it rubs people the wrong way. It really does. I don't like it, and you don't like it either, but that's the truth. It rubs people the wrong way. For example, if someone asks you to go somewhere with them that, you know, Christians, that's a questionable thing, and you don't go there, what do you think, you're better than we are? If they offer you some beverage that you think, I should, as a Christian, I shouldn't be involved in that beverage, they'll say, what do you think, you're better than us? Or if you pray before a meal, they'll laugh at you and scoff at you. This happens in life. It's part of being a Christian. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, the, the enemies may even be some in your own household. I've not come to send peace on the earth, not peace, but a sword. Things happen when you live as a Christian, when you uh, have your behavior in Christ's likeness. Now, what we want to talk about this morning is Paul's uh, answer to these people. He's letting them know, picking it up in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he's letting them know, in, uh, in, right in verse, uh, five, verse 3, if we could please. Well, let's back up to verse 2. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you with that confidence with which I think to be bold against some who think of us as though we walked according to the flesh. There were people saying, Paul's worldly, he's sensual, he's not, he's not living the, a Christ-like life. Why? Because he was telling them, you need to get your life in order. Your life is a mess. You're not acting like a Christian. You're not behaving yourself as a Christian. You're not thinking like a Christian. Notice, if you would, please, in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, that is, we live in this world, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For, our, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds, Paul? Pick it up in verse um, 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity bringing these thoughts, these, these, these imaginations into captivity uh, and bringing every thought unto the obedience of Christ. I'm reading from a King James Bible, by the way. I, I know that you know that by now, but that's what I'm reading from. Um, throughout the scriptures, the, there are passages that give us an urgency to use your, your mind, use your thinking, use your, use your head. I know... Um, when we talk about the mind, God wants you not only to have one, that's what he gave you, but he wants you to use it. And to use it, you have to use the intellects, the thoughts, the understanding, the consciousness, the, the, the uh, mental perception. He wants you to think through things. I'm so amazed with some theology that people have uh, that's, to me, extra biblical. They don't think through what they're saying. They don't think it through to the end. 
It's a great thought up there, sir, but it doesn't flesh out through the scriptures. It doesn't work, even though you have this great thought. I'm, I'm amazed at people who, who say, God spoke to me directly. You've heard those guys. God spoke to me directly. Wait a minute. Think that through. If God spoke to you directly, we don't have a completed Bible. We don't have a completed word of God. A, that makes God a liar. B, that makes you the authority on everything. Of course, that's what they want to do, be the authority on everything. So, and by the way, you should send me your nickels. I don't think they ask for nickels anymore, by the way, but recognize, think it through. Think everything through biblically, and how do you do that? Um, my father used to call it using your noggin. Do you ever hear that one? For years, I thought that was Polish for head. I really did. You know, use, your, use your noggin. I can still hear them to this day. I think I even said that to my kids a couple times. You know, use your noggin. Think about what you are thinking about. Think about what you are thinking about. So Paul continues on. He says, you need to realize that there's a battle to fight, and you're in the battle. If you're a born-again believer, you are in the battle, and you need to think about what you are uh, thinking about. So let's, let's look at that, if we could, please. Our thoughts are subject, obviously, to, to, to the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, but we let our minds wander out there. Why? Because we're immersed in this world. We're uh, uh, immersed in this planet. And sometimes all that stuff that's coming can filter in. And before you know it, our mind is not on spiritual things, but on predominantly fleshly things. And I just realize that the thoughts of this world are not great, are they? They're really not. Say, well, there's nice people. Yeah, there's nice people, but they still think pretty silly things, pretty ridiculous things, immoral things worldly things. So God wants us to make sure that our minds are subject to him, and there's an urgency in it, an urgency. For example, the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples, he, think about, consider, he says, the birds of the air. Think about the birds of the air. Think about the flowers. Think. He uses examples for us to consider and think about. Think about these things. Uh, the writer of Hebrews said, consider, think about the apostle and high priest, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about our thinking needs to be spiritual and not, um, we're not referring to uh, the temporal. You, you know, of course, everything in this life is temporal. We have a, a, a Ken Newman went home to be with the Lord. We have a good friend in the Boston Hospital now that it's uh, pretty obvious the Lord is taking him home. I mean, the Lord could heal them. We don't know that, but it's pretty obvious. That, not, they, these people are done with the temporal. That's all over, the fluffing stuff, the entertainment of this world. That's done now. Now the eternal is at hand, and our job is to prepare for the eternal and to let others know about the eternal, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Siri cannot give you spiritual truth and discernment. Siri can't. Siri can't. Hello, Siri. You know, uh, more Christians ask her or him or it questions than they do the Holy Spirit. It's true. 
It's true. We should want to know about the eternal things. We should want to know more about the Lord than, than, than about the things of the world. Because the things of the world, the scriptures tell us, are passing. Head with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 is an urgency about using your mind, a.k.a. your noggin. There's an urgency about that. God wants us to use our mind, and to, to, in order to do that, we have to equip our mind for the right thinking. That can only come through the Word of God. You cannot be thinking the world's thoughts and produce anything that's spiritual. You have to have that mind of Christ. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, but spiritual. So we have to have a mind that's built upon uh, the spiritual things. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Wherefore, therefore, because the time is at hand, Peter says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. You know what that means? When, when uh, they would all wear a long type uh, gowns in those days because of the heat of the Middle East. And when you're going to run, you don't want to run with your dress on, with your gown on. So they would actually take those and tie them up mid-thigh so that they could run to be prepared for battle. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind ready for battle. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the formal lusts of your ignorance. Be ready, be, be prepared, what? With a good mind, a spiritual mind, a mind that's fixed on uh, spiritual things. Be ready for that. Paul, uh, Paul did not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul was prepared. He said, uh, it's not I, but Christ that lives in me. He wasn't concentrating on the world. There was a lot to think about in Paul's day. But what did he think about? Well, he thought about that which is spiritual, that which was eternal. Our thoughts are subjects to what you fix your mind upon. What are you interested in? I used to teach a Bible study on Monday nights. We called it Evening School of the Bible. We had a good time. I would put slides up in all this business, and we would study a subject and study it in a little more depth. And, and I had people say to me, you know, Pastor Bill, I'd love to come to your class, but my favorite show is on. They said, to my face, they said that. <laughs> or, I'd love to come to your class, but I'm tired. Listen, make something up. Don't say that. <laughs> Think of something good. Don't say that. That means you're more interested in godless, heathen television than you are the Word of God. Is that what that means? Well, that's what it means to me. So if you want to help my thinking, don't ever say that to me, okay? Because my mind is, can be pretty rough also. So think on these things, Paul said. Think about what you're doing. Make sure that you're concentrating on the spiritual and not necessarily on the fleshly, the, the, the temporal, the things of this world. Now, that doesn't mean we don't live here, we don't work here, we don't have to think through things. That, you know I'm not saying that. 
But what I'm saying is if that's all you're thinking on, you've got a problem, sir or madam, you've got a problem. You'll never be spiritual. Never. You say, well, God's going to take me to heaven. Yeah, but you want to go like that? No. We want to make sure that we're honoring to the Lord right through to the end. And some of us are closer to the end than others, right? Let's go on if we can. Head with me, please, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Thinking about those things that are spiritual in Romans chapter 6. Paul lets us know, and this is in a warning, in effect, to you and I. In Romans chapter 6, look at verse 16 for a moment, please. Romans 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves, servants, to obey, his servants, ye are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or or obedience unto righteousness. But... God be thanked that whereas we were the servants of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. That was your former life was the world and the things in the world and, and all the things that pertain to the world. That was your former life. That's the way you were. But now think about what you're thinking about. Is it that or is it the things of the Lord? Think about what you're thinking about. What occupies your thinking all day long? Mayan is chocolate cream pie. (laughs) Steak. Meat. What are you thinking about? Pleasure. My boat. My vacation. My camper. My whatever it may be. Is that what's concentrating your entire life? It's okay to have those things, but... The old saying is, they can't have you. They can't have you. If they have you, you've got a problem. It's a big problem, and you need to solve it. Why? Because one day you're going to face the Lord with these things. One day. Okay, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 23. We're coming back in just a moment. Head with me to Proverbs chapter 23. I love the book of Proverbs. It's filled with all these beautiful, beautiful Thoughts that the Spirit of God used King Solomon and others to write. We're in Proverbs chapter 23. Look at verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs chapter 23. Listen to this. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not or nothing? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like the eagle to heaven. Isn't that great? Things, things. You have them and they're gone. You, and you're, you're going to one day face the Lord just as you are with nothing you have except him. Everything you accumulated in your life, wood, hay, and stubble. Useless. I had a beautiful home. Yeah, but you're, you're dead. You should see the car I had. Yeah, but you're not driving anything anymore. How important is that stuff? Well, to us, you know, we, we, we rally around it, we gather around it, we love it, and then it takes control of our thinking. If you're not careful, if you're not careful. We're in Proverbs chapter 23, look at verses 5 through 7. Eat thou not the bread of him that has an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty foods. That's old English, you know what that means. 
don't get involved with these people. Don't make it a habit of being only with them. Make sure that you're focused, whether you're sitting in front of a TV box watching them. You can't call it a box anymore, can you? A screen. Whatever that screen is, we can never figure it out. It always goes to not connected and all that stuff. Um, A screen, don't let that feed you. Be fed with the word of God. Don't desire to be with those people. Why? Now, why is that? Uh, uh, Please, Lord. Notice in verse uh, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, says he, but his heart is not with thee. You know what unsafe people would like to do? Bring you down to their level. That's what the world wants to do. Bring you down to their thinking, to their level. Why? Because they don't like the level that God sets. They don't like his standard. That's why the world has to go after evolution, don't they? Because if a God created the world, they're subject to him. And they don't want to be subject to him. They don't want anything to do with that. If there's a creator, then they need to worship the creator. So, we all evolved. We're all a bunch of monkeys by name. Think it through. You have to think it through. You came from a single-celled thing. Think it through. That's what they believe. The most brilliant of them. The most brilliant men, men in the world, the, the men that are part of the great educational institutes, believe that you came from a single-celled thing, and here you are, you're lucked out. That's what they believe. You say, well, that's foolish. Of course it is. Why? Because that's what the world believes, see? We've got to come back down to what God says. If God said he created everything in six literal 24-hour days, then that's what he did. I believe that. I believe what God said. We need to recognize the word of God, what God says, and filter that through our thinking. Why? Head with me to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. Hang on. I'll let you out really quickly. Just hang on, okay? In Jeremiah chapter 6, look at verse 17, please. Jeremiah 6, 17. God's talking to Jeremiah concerning the nation of Israel. Now, these were the people, they had the word of God. God God took them out of Egypt. God did his work with them. God God used them mightily. Uh, God showed them his miracles. All this happened, and yet they rejected God. Look at verse 17, uh, Jeremiah 6, 17. Also, I sent watchmen over you, that is, people to give you the word of God, the great prophets of their day. I sent watchmen over you, hearken to the sound of the trumpet, but they said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear ye nations, and know, O congregation, Uh, What is among them? Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not hearkened unto my words, nor to my law, but rejected it. Are you going to listen to the word of God, or are you going to listen to the world? You've got a choice. Every one of us, every single day, has a choice. Am I going to listen to the word of God, or am I going to listen to the world? 
You get up in the morning, you listen. You're listening to something. Is it God or is it the world? You, you have to make that decision. I have to make that decision. Oh, that's easy. No, it isn't. It's a battle. Every day, every day it's a battle for all of us. So what does God tell us? Well, to set my affections on things above. The word affections is an interesting word. It has to do with the mind, but it's in the continual action. Keep on setting your affections on things above. Don't let that slip. I thought about God this morning. Yeah, but what you think about the rest of the day? Think about what you're thinking about throughout the day. What are your affections set upon? What really grabs you or holds you? That's what you're thinking about. That's what God's word lets us know about. In Romans chapter 8, I won't have you turn there, but in verse 5, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. They that are after flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So you have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, am I thinking fleshly or am I thinking spiritual? Am I thinking fleshly or am I thinking spiritual? Now, we're fighting a battle, right? We're fighting a battle. Head back with me to 2 Corinthians, again in chapter 10. We're fighting a battle. We're in a battle. Like it or not, you are in a battle. And this is most interesting because if you're not fighting the battle, that means you capitulated. That means you gave up. That means you're dancing on a string to the lust of the flesh and the God of this age. That's what it means. The, you, you cannot be a little bit spiritual, a little bit carnal. You're one or the other. So the moment you stop thinking about what you're thinking about, you've already become carnal. You're in it. You're up to your neck. It's right where your nose is, and pretty soon you're going to go under. That's why God tells us, make sure you're thinking. Think on these things. But it's a battle. Look at, again, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry, I told you 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty... Uh, but let me read that again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of human reasonings. We're not using carnal weapons. You know, I go, this guy tempts me, so I go and kick him in the knee. You know, that's not it. You can't outbox carnal thinking. You can't do that. You can't outrun carnal thinking. You need to fight and if you're not fighting, you've capitulated right away. So we want spiritual thinking. We want a spiritual mind. Now, how does that happen? How can that happen? Well, we need to fight a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. Just that simple. Paul told the church at Ephesus, I won't have you turn there right now, but he told the uh, church at Ephesus, you're in a spiritual battle, therefore put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Everything in this world is dancing to his tune. Everything. It's all dancing to his tune. 1 John 
uh, 5 lets us know that. Third John as well. Second John as well. John lets us know that this whole world is dancing to the tune of the devil. You say, but they're innocent, but they're nice people. Yeah, but they're nicely deceived. They're very deceived. And God lets us know that Satan is the great deceiver. That's his whole purpose and plan. To get you to question what God says. You know, if I do all that, I'm going to ruin my life. If you don't do that, your life is ruined already, and you just don't know it. You just don't know it. Why? Because you've been deceived. Have you ever been deceived? Oh, I have. Numbers of times. I'm one of those guys that learns the hard way. Deceive. I, but he seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, but he wasn't. He was after my wallet, and I didn't know it. He seemed, they seemed like a nice couple. Yeah, but all they wanted me to do was help them. They didn't want what I had. That is the scriptures. They wanted something from me. They were using me. I've been deceived many, many times. Now, when you come to an expert deceiver, that's called Satan. He wants to keep you concentrated on this stuff, the temporal, the temporal. So let's look at, a, let, let me read a couple of passages to you. You know these passages very well. For example, in Romans chapter 13 and verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, uh, verses 5 through 8, you are not of the darkness, but of the light. Let us, therefore, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love, and for a helmet, the hope of uh, an assurance of salvation. You, you, you sh- you're not in the darkness. There's no excuse for the Christian to fall into one of Satan's traps. There's no excuse. If you did, it's because you went that way. It's because you decided that. It's not the world's fault. It's your fault. The second you fall into that trip, uh, trap, uh, should I say. Head with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment. 2 Corinthians 6. Same book, go back a couple pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at, let's pick it right up in verse. Um, we could go back to the beginning, for example, in 2 Corinthians 6. The grace of God in Christian living. This is how it works. This is how it fleshes out, Paul said. Now, look at verse 7. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. You have to surround yourself with the word of God. So nothing can penetrate that. You surround your thinking. Uh, You've heard this said, it wasn't new with me, I copied someone else, but if you want to give me credit, I'll take it. The battle for the Christian life is between the ears. That's where the battle is. It's between your ears. It's nowhere else. It's not an alien hand. Where did I get, what's that all about? I saw a a 20-20 type thing or a 60-minute type thing where a guy was choking his wife to death and he got away with it because he claimed he had an alien hand. At night, his hand accidentally went and grabbed his wife's throat and he was trying to kill her. Alien hand. You don't have an alien hand. You don't have an alien mind. If you have the mind of Christ, 
If you have the word of God, then that's what to fix us. There's, there's no excuse, there's no reason why you should fall into the praise you fall into except that you have given up, I have given up. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Using the sword of the spirit. See, when you're going to fight this battle, it's not fleshly, it's spiritual. The, using the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you don't have God's word hid in your heart, then you cannot fight against the devil. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's, it's a spiritual battle. It always has been. It always will be. It was 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this. It's today. It's today. It's the same for the Christian. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, uh, and you know this very well, 12, uh, verse 12. The word of God is living and powerful. And the world says, well, that's an archaic book. It's an old book. It doesn't apply today. You know how they're trying to twist the Constitution? They're, they're twisting the word of God even worse. It doesn't apply today, really. God says it does. I believe him, not them. I believe what he says. It's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it do? It divides the sun, the soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You want to see how powerful God's word is? Tell an unsaved person the gospel. Whoa, they want to strike you. They do, they get upset. And if they don't get upset while you're there, you're glad you're not there when they do get upset. Who does he think he is? He thinks I'm a sinner. No, God says you are. It was God that said it. You think you're better than me. That's archaic, all that stuff. They go on and on and on. Listen, that's proof that God's word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The second people get upset with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because A, you didn't tell them about their sin, or B, you told them about their sin and God's word works. It always works. God's word is powerful. Remember Paul said to the church at Rome, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It is the power of God unto salvation. It's God's power. If you want to fight, use spiritual strength. What is that? It's the word of God. It's not you. You're not tough enough to take on the devil. You're just not. You need to use spiritual strength. Our Lord Jesus said that, didn't he? Be gone, Satan, for it is written. He used the word of God to fight against the power of the devil. And we use our words. Big words. Let me impress you with myself. No. You're just like I am. You might be a little more polished. You might not get all your church clothes filthy like I do. You know, that type of stuff. But you, you're not, no different than I am. You cannot think of important things unless they're found in the Word of God. This is the most important book that you will ever read. Amen. And you need to keep on reading it, by the way. Get off Facebook and read God's book. I can't imagine how many people spend that much time on that. Can you? Putting their great thoughts down. It makes me laugh. Every once in a while, Nancy will show me 
did you see what so-and-so read? I, th I thought they were a Christian. I thought they were a believer and they put that down on that thing? What's up with that? Well, it's obvious when they wrote that, they didn't have the mind of Christ. They didn't have God's thinking. And that's what we need to focus on, God's thinking. Head with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm running out of time. I want equal time with the announcements. Jeremiah chapter 1. Let's look at verse 17. Now, please understand this. What, where's Jeremiah going? He's going to downtown Jerusalem. And at this point, downtown Jerusalem is the throne of Satan. It's filled with wickedness. If you were to go downtown Jerusalem today, it's the same thing. It's filled with wickedness, filled with uh, immorality and vile thoughts against God. And Jeremiah is being sent there by God. And God says this to him in verse 17, Jeremiah 1, 17. Thou therefore gird up the loins, gird up thy loins, and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. See, make sure, make sure you're thinking God's thoughts. God put you in this world for a purpose. You're not here to occupy space. I'm not here to occupy space. I'm not here to live my, till my retirement and the golden years and everything. There's nothing golden about them. Believe me, I'm there. <laughs> nothing golden about these years. But that's not why you're here. You're here to tell people about Christ. You're here to give them the word of God. You're here to be a testimony for Christ. So get ready, or I will embarrass you in front of them, God says. Imagine that. I know more than one Christian that's been embarrassed because they didn't follow the word of God. I know more than one. You, you probably know several yourself. Okay, verse uh, 18. For behold, I have made thee this day a fortified city and an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land. Now listen to this. Against the kings of Judah, against its princes, against its priests, and against the people of the land. Who was on Jeremiah's side? Only the Lord. Only the Lord. Everyone else was against him. But Pastor Bill, it's so hard living in this world. I, I would go and talk with people, and I came to a place where I needed a mop and a bucket because of their crying all the time. It's so hard. It's hard because you're not walking in the power of the Spirit. That's why it's hard. You've let down your guard. Are things in this life hard? In this world, you shall have tribulation. You're going to have it. Get over it. Recognize it. Pull up your big boy pants. Get ready for it. It's time for all of us to recognize that. We live in a tough world, but what did God say? Verse 19, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Isn't that what he said to us in the book of Matthew chapter 28? Lo, 
I am with thee always, even unto the end of the age. You see, we have the strength to get through that. We have the ability to get through it. But the moment your mind gets off the things of Christ on yourself or on the world, you're going to fail. It's destined to fail. That's worldly thinking, earthly thinking, sensual thinking. That's the world. God wants you to set your affections on things above. You don't have a guarantee of one hour from now. You don't have a guarantee of one hour from now. Aneurysms, heart attacks, cancer, automobile accidents. You don't have a guarantee of one hour from now. That's why it's time to set our affections on things above. That's why it's time. Head with me, please, to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4. I hesitated whether I should say this or not, but I'm going to say it and have to deal with it, I guess. Look at Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 14. O Jerusalem, wash your heart. Wash your heart. That's what 2 Corinthians tells us too, right? The word of God will cleanse a filthy mind. Wash your heart. Make sure that you're keeping a pure mind before the Lord. Make sure of that. You know what's not going to give you a, a clear mind? Your telephone. Your television. The movies. They are not going to give you a clear mind. But I watched a Christian program, okay, one in 10,000, and you're going to brag about that? Wash your mind. Even some of these, quote, Christian, unquote, ministries, they fill people's minds with crazy things. Crazy things that are not found in the Word of God. But people seem enamored with it because why they don't have to read the Bible, they can listen and watch it somewhere. Wash your mind. Wash your heart. Make sure you're thinking through. What are you thinking about? Think about what you're thinking about. Guide your heart. Guard your heart before the Lord. And how do you do that? With the washing of water by the word of God. It's the only way it can be done. It's the only way. The more Bible information you put in, the more scum comes to the top and leaves. Should I have said scum? Is that okay? Because that's what your thinking is without the word of God, scummy. We went to a couple different beaches uh, the other day with the Clark family. I don't remember all of them. I wouldn't even know how to get back to them, but um, um, we were looking at, and, and one part of one beach is that seemed where all the, the yuck came up on the beach. You know, It all came in that era, though, between those stones. All this stuff came up there, scummy stuff. And that's what God's word says, doesn't he? The wicked, like the waves of the sea, froth. Froth that comes up. There's no rest for the wicked. You don't want to be among them. You can rest in Christ. You can. How do you do that? Fill up your thinking with the word of God. Can I say this? I don't want to hurt your feelings. 
You can't do that on Sunday morning. You can't, you can't do it. You, you need to be with the brethren. You need the interaction of God's people. God says that, you know. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself as the manner of some is. You, need, you say, well, you're only saying that because you're going to get paid. No, I wish I was, though. <laughs> no, that, that's not... I want you to know you can't get by by yourself. I'm a coal, I'm a lantern. Uh, yeah, you, you're nothing. You're really not. You need the strength of the body of Christ. You do. Every one of us does. Pastor Rob does. He studies more than all of us probably. But he still needs the body of Christ. That's why he's in there studying, to teach us something. He doesn't go in there so he can whip up a sermon for himself. But while he's studying, he's learning. When he teaches us, we're learning. When we, when we look at what he said later on in the week, we learn more. See, we grow. That's, it's the body of Christ meeting together and growing together. That can't happen on Sunday morning. It can't. You'll forgive me, won't you? No? Too bad. It's true, no matter what you think. It's, it's really true, folks. Okay, we need to go to one last place, if we can, in the Scriptures, and then I will uh, close with this. Head with me, please, to Daniel chapter 1. You know this passage so well. You don't even need to turn to it. So if you don't want to, just sit there like a bump on a log. Daniel chapter 1. I had a person say to me, you make us turn to too many Bible verses. Bye. Uh, (laughs) Daniel chapter 1. I got to close with this. Remember, the king Nebuchadnezzar captured Daniel and some 900 uh, young people with him, brought the best of the best to the land. These are the college people. These are people that say to an old man, you know, that type of stuff. These people know their stuff. And the king brought them, and he, and he was going to give them the best of his food and the best of the clothing and the best of the place. The only problem was, the scripture didn't tell Daniel not to live at the king's house. He didn't tell, he couldn't. Daniel had to live there. He was a captive. He didn't tell Daniel not to put on the king's clothes because he couldn't. He he was stuck there. It's either that or uh, nothing. But in God's word, God said to Daniel that you cannot defile yourself with food that I've said not to eat. And what do we read in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not eat the king's food, nor defile himself. You see, all I've said to you is fine, you're going to go home and grab your hot dog. And I envy you terribly for eating a hot dog. But you're going to go home and get a hot dog and forget I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you're no different than I am. Think about what you're thinking about. Unless you purpose in your heart, you'll forget everything I said. You need to purpose in your heart that you're going to follow the Lord. You need to pray for the Spirit of God, strength from His Word. You need to immerse your mind in the Word of God. 
in what God says about his grace, his wisdom, and his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. I pray, Father, that I haven't gone beyond a mark here. Lord, my English is embarrassing. My, sometimes my illustrations are equally as bad. But yet, Lord, your word is what we need to focus on. So, Father, I would pray that each one of us would purpose in their heart to read the word of God, to be fixed upon spiritual things, to set their affections on things above and not on things in the earth. For our life is hidden in Christ, and when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with them in, him in glory. So, Father, give us the spiritual strength, the spiritual admonition to be focused and centered on the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.